Welcome to So Far So Good with Carrie and Kayla, the podcast where we engage diversity and difference one story at a time. Our guest today is Aaron Mize. He's the executive director of Communities and Schools of the Heart of Texas. And in that way, that's the only way I know him. We're strangers in every other way. So hopefully we'll get to learn more about each other that's today. Right. I think you two could hit it off. We'll see. The first questions we're asking everyone are hopefully simple because you know yourself. The first okay. one, where are you from? Whatever that means to you. Okay, I am from uh, originally Corsicana, Texas. I'll, go, I'll start with location. Okay, location, great. Corsicana, Texas. Um, was born and uh, lived, born there and lived there until early elementary school and then moved to uh, North Dallas, Allen, Allen, Texas, where I uh, definitely did not meet one of our podcast hosts. Well, good, because uh, that would be a conflict of interest. Yes, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> In that location. And then uh, made my way to Waco uh, for, for undergrad and grad school and uh, have been here ever since. Great. And... I'm interested to see how you're going to answer our next question. I'm the kind of person who... It's just fairly easy for me to come up with. And uh, I'm the kind of person who you go to when you need someone else to do product research for you. Uh, that is so true. It really is. I feel like uh, that's a way that I've probably benefited both of you in the past. That's and, true. Uh, and maybe in the current. In the future. Yeah. And for you listeners, are you about to make a purchase of some sort? We're going to give you his digits right now and on every piece of marketing that goes along with this podcast. That's correct. Please use his uh, his talents and skills in this arena. I just want people to be good stewards of their own resources, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it really is. It is a great type of friend to have because most of us have at least some areas that we don't care to do the research, but we would like to have a good product. And you like, it seems. I like to do it. Yeah. And some of us don't want to do the research on any products. We <laughs> <laughs> you know we're all on a range. All people are different. That's kind of some of what we're talking about in this here podcast, I'd say. That's right. So thank you for telling us a little bit about yourself today, Erin. We're going to move into um, the the meat of this uh, podcast, which is to start talking about uh, the piece of art that you've brought today and how you are seeing and experiencing connections to that for yourself and others. So our first question is just to tell us about the piece of art that you brought. Maybe give us a quick summary or synopsis. Yeah, so I brought... Um a song by Brandy Carlisle called The Joke. It was a song released in 2017 uh, as a as a single that, that was then followed as a uh, part of her sixth studio album that uh, came out in early 2018. It's a, to me, and, and I think from hearing her talk about it, it's a song about misrepresented and underrepresented people um, and the way that I think those in power sometimes uh, miss opportunities to to uh, 
take care of everyone that he's taking care of. Uh, there's kind of three three different parts to the song. I think there's there's part of it for, that is talking about a uh, at least from my perspective, a young boy that is uh, not living up to the ideals of what traditional masculinity would be. Hmm. There's a uh, part that's talking about uh, a young girl. I, I imagine that is uh, in some way weighed down by the the power that men carry through the world and how it often uh, negatively impacts and prevents um, certain individuals from having opportunity. And then there's some different different points in it that uh, one specific that is uh, talking about a, a what I think is an immigrant or migrant mother who's carrying a baby on her back in the desert and has been kind of like displaced and um, uh, and so the song kind of I think bounces around through that and the idea of the whole thing is that ultimately the joke is on the people that are that are the oppressors the joke is on the people that um, that uh, can't see um, the writing on the wall that are the ones that um, you know kick the kick the dirt and um, dress you down um, but ultimately the Brandon Carla writes that you know like I've seen the movie and I know how it ends and the joke's on them and so um, this is so yeah. interesting because I don't know this song so you don't? no so this is really like <laughs> I'm realizing in this moment, like, I'm about to get a lot of new material, like, <laughs> things to listen to and read and watch, so. Oh, yeah, this song is so beautiful, and she, didn't she perform it at the Grammys? Yeah, so it was, uh, I guess in the 2018 Grammys, she performed it, um, and it was kind of this, her sixth out studio album was the one that kind of, I think, officially went mainstream, um, and she had a, a song early on on her first or second album called The Story that was one of those songs that was like on a Grey's Anatomy episode that went viral and um, was a very personal song to her and her identity um, that also kind of like put her on the map in in having a um, a very powerful voice both like physically and in her ability but um, also with the way that she puts words together and um, emotes um, through it I just got goosebumps thinking about listening to this song when we're done. It's so beautiful. Okay, so thank you for that synopsis. Um, As you know, we're going to go through some questions that are related to the tripartite identity model. So first, we're going to talk about the connection that this piece of art has to the universal. So in some ways, all people are like all other people. With that in mind, where did you see the struggle and strengths common to all humankind in this song that you brought? Yeah, so I think that ultimately this this song is about like the use of and access to power in one way or the other. I think that that um, even you know for those of us that are very privileged, like there are still ways that we are impacted by people that have power or more power than than we do, um, or just differing power. Yeah. And, you know, it's not always about the the scales of it. Don't always balance one to one. And so I think that that in that way somebody can find an identity in the song, um, whether they are the misrepresented one, the one that is is currently thinking about the ways they don't have power, or, you know, and, and, and I guess we'll get to this, but something that for somebody that does have a lot of privilege, uh, also making sure, like, I'm not the one kicking dirt. <laughs> like, yeah. are we the ones that, that, are, that are kicking dirt? How much, uh, um, you know, 
which side of that song are we kind of falling on? And then I think, you know, ultimately, this is all coming through the mouthpiece of an artist that is, um, has found a lot of power for herself because of success and because of her voice and being able to use the platform that she has, um, but also has been because of identities that she has uh, been without power for a large portion of her life and uh, in, in a lot of ways still finds herself without without power. So, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot, but, you know, one of the reasons we want to do this podcast is in response to a dangerous notion in the world, I think, sometimes, which is that only people who are oppressed are impacted negatively by oppression. And so I like hearing you talk about the ways that everyone can find themselves in this song, but also that, like, even if I have a lot of power, even if I have seemingly equal power to someone else, it doesn't mean that I'm comfortable with it, that I know what to do with it, that I've been given a set of tools. And so... Um, I think that's interesting. I think it's also good to, um, in the opposite direction, that uh, sometimes we walk through the world feeling comfortable saying, like, the person that holds the power looks like this and is this. Mm. And uh, when we do that, sometimes we're forgetting what situations and scenarios we might have power. And so I think we oh yeah, we aren't looking at it in that direction as well sometimes. Um, and it's important to realize that we all have kicked dirt at some point, uh, whatever that means, and uh, um, recognizing that for ourselves. Okay. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm just going to say one more thing about this, which is that what you're saying makes me think of that um, Old Testament Bible story that uh, I most of the time get the characters wrong in, but um, I'm going to say that Nathan, because he's the prophet, tells... David, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're the man in the story. And, you know, he's like giving all the, he's describing this person that David is judging and feeling very um, um, negatively toward. And, and then Nathan makes the big reveal that like, you're actually the person that I'm describing, literally. <laughs> real bummer for David. It's a real bummer, but I, I think you're right that we we can very easily get into um, a lane that is, I'm either a powerful person or I'm a disempowered person, and that's the only way I think of myself because of one type of identity or one type of way that I was raised or whatever it is. So, good point. I think it's interesting too that, that in I like obviously there's a ton of music and and it carries all shapes and sizes and I think even from like Brandy Carlisle you have songs that are um, they could be more like anthemy that are like yeah like we, we, we power the people like we can stick it to the man kind of songs and I think that this one's I think a little different in that it's it's catching people and I think the the characters inside of the story that she's telling you the song are people that aren't in a place where they're like ready to stand up against it. They're like weathering it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's about like them, um, in a space where, you know, uh, it's, 
like they are getting dirt kicked in their face. They are getting stripped down. They are getting, you know, taken advantage of. They are having to, you know, dance with the devil on the river to beat the stream. Um, is you know, one of the lines. <laughs> Doesn't sound great. Right. Like, <laughs> it's like, you're just having to like, you're having to go along. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that, you know, it's interesting that she's like ultimately saying like, there's hope at the end of that. It's just like perseverance. Like there's hope to perseverance. There's hope to, um, knowing like ultimately how this, this, the movie ends. Um, but it's not yet a song that is like, yeah, go get them. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's, I think that's a really important point. Okay. So moving on to the, um, next, part of the tripartite identity model. All people are in some regards like some other people. So how did this song help you to better understand your own identity-based marginalizations or privilege and advantage or someone else's? I mean, I mean, yeah, and so I think for the most part, uh, for me being a cisgender white male, like I am uh, the benefit uh, benefiting from uh, almost every type of privilege that that is there. And so for me, listening to this song is trying to listen to it as an empath, but also listen to it as a uh, a way of reminding to not be on the 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 side of the song that is the ones that's kicking dirt and using power uh, flippantly. Um, or um, just, yeah, I mean, like, not thoughtfully. Um, and, you know, working in, in the Waco community and, and being um, a part of leadership in a fairly large nonprofit that works with, with young people, uh, I think that, you know, listening to Brandi Carlisle in general, knowing that she's such an uh, advocate for LGBTQ um, rights, but also specifically advocating on behalf of young people and um, their, the, the ways that young people are marginalized and their voices are not heard and, and uh, um, in, in thinking through like all the students that we serve at communities and schools that have identities that different, differ from what would be considered the norm by many um, or that they feel um, marginalized in some way by uh, because of you know one way they, they identify or just feeling like they're caught in a massive system which is school and public schools and that they feel lost on that tide of, of uh, the kind of pushing and pulling of what happens um, with schools. And so, and so for me, it's, it's, the song is a reflection on what am I doing to, um, you know, hear, hear the stories of the ones that feel misrepresented or underrepresented and, um, people that have differing power than I do. Um, and then also, you know, from the the roles that I carry in this local community that that have some level of power attached to them, um, that you know that I am uh, privileged to carry, um, and and uh, what am I doing with those that that uh, is making life better for another person, or that is helping uh, advocate for another person, or. Um, you know, putting someone else's voice on a platform uh, or just at a very, very basic level. Like, am I doing all that I can to understand another person's experience and identity and voice and what their story is and believing them when they say their story is what it is? I imagine a lot of people would be interested in like, you kind of said a little bit of it there at the end, but kind of like 
at the practical level, you know, this podcast is, I think we're interested in like what has touched a person. And I love that, you know, like what has made me have an emotional response that then impacts my intellect and my action. But, um, for you as someone who is an executive director, so by definition has the power in your agency or some, some types of the power in your agency, what other than just other than listening to Brandy Carlisle mm-hmm. on the regular, like what are the practical things that you think um, help you get access to those stories or how do you, maybe another way of thinking about it is how do you um, check in with yourself that that's happening in some sort of like regular or accessible way? I mean, maybe just part of it is, is the way that I try to approach the work that I do is, uh, coming from a space of learning and just like value like and, and, I, and I say this to people that I get the opportunity to work with um, at CIS but it's just like I want us to value learning above everything else yeah. and um, not you know at, at every opportunity we have like challenging assumption um, even if that is based on something factual that has happened in the past or something truthful that we have or something we've known to be true in the past um, really just positioning ourselves in the space of, of learning and so that learning looks like the very tangible things of like getting into books and research and um, uh, learning about what you know new curriculum exists to serve students better. What's uh, what's staying on top of just news and what's happening with um, our schools. What's happening with the students that we're serving. What happened? What's happening? With, what are the stories being told about the communities that we're in? What, yeah. what are the um, what is you know what what assumptions are being made and. Am I and am, are the people that I'm working with, like, are we challenging those assumptions every chance we get? Yeah. And I think, like, that's a very tangible thing. Um, it's not very prescriptive. I don't, you know, like, it's not like here's here's a, a specific book that, you know. Um, but it kind of is. I mean, it's prescriptive to say <clears throat> the only way to, if you believe in a sort of no better, new better, do better model, then, like, what am I reading and, you know, what data am I taking in? And then with what lens am I taking those things in is, I think, prescriptive in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And I imagine, you know, you mentioned kids feeling like they're part of a a machine, you know, this larger thing that's at work that they don't really have an input in. I imagine that for, for an organization that is working within larger districts and working within these, you know, maybe quote unquote machines that it can be hard to figure out how do you differentiate, you know, how do your employees differentiate themselves when working with kids so that it feels different, uh, but also, you know, you, your nonprofit is large enough that it is a machine in and of itself. So I imagine fighting against that, even for your employees, trying to figure out how how do they fight against a machine that they're part of uh, has got to be very complex and not an easy thing to do. One of the things, like even the most effective of helping machines or helping programs or, or um, institutions at, at, or even like the highest levels of learning institutions, that it's like because you 
you're building structure and structures based. I mean, like it was, yeah. it came before us. It came before now Right. that like, it's going to carry with it something from that time. And I think that it, it does make it harder. It makes it harder to be, um, it just makes the work, I guess it's, it just makes it to where you're always having to do some work. You're always operating inside <clears throat> of the system, inside of learning modalities, inside of, um, opinions, assumptions that, came before this moment right now and because of that is like no matter what we know right now we're still operating inside of thoughts and processes and systems and laws and policies that were yesterday or 10 years ago 100 years ago and um and so as you know i think if we're talking about power i think that that's why it's so important and so difficult for people in power because it's like it really is something it's a commitment you have to make you have to have the foresight for it. You have to be able to be comfortable challenging assumption. You have to be comfortable um, stepping out on a limb constantly in order to like move the needle at all. And understanding like whatever change you're making <clears throat> is still yesterday's change tomorrow. <laughs> and yeah. so like you're always going to be needing to like, keep turning and keep pushing things forward. Yeah, I, I'm struck that that's one of the things I think is hardest for students sometimes is to figure out like how do we um, – sort of live with ourselves inside a structure, especially if we know like change needs to happen. And also how do we push and like, um, be creative and innovative. Like it feels so often either that people in their personality lean toward one of those things, or they feel like an agency can only allow for one of those things. So I think it's good to hear you talk about the way in which like something is a machine and also we're always kind of doing those software updates or whatever, you know, like we're figuring out like how yeah. do we both maximize what a system can do for you and also tear down the parts of the system that are, that are harmful. Okay. Um, One more thing. I, mean, yeah. I think that it's worth noting there. I think that, you know, I was, I, when you were saying that, I think was thinking about, you know, like the people that we're often asking to do the change to are usually the ones that are the misrepresented identity mm -hmm. in some way. And so it's, it's, I think often too, one of the roles of people in power is, is making sure that you are helping manage and paying attention to capacity of people and, mm -hmm. and, uh, that it's like, there's always something to be done. There's always something to change. There's always some work that needs to be done. And I think that so often when we institutionalize change, it ends up being the same people that are doing it every, yeah. you know, every time. Um, so it feels like a change has happened and sometimes it might not be that much of a change. Yeah. You know? we, and I think we just, we, we abuse people in the way that we try to, to move change forward sometimes too, mm -hmm. um, by placing the, um, you know, onus on the people that are the ones that are marginalized already. And it's yeah. like, yeah, this is, this is the change for you. Like we're going to do it for you, but you're going to be the ones to do it. And then it's, it's a never ending cycle of asking, asking people to, um, push forward without, I think sometimes sharing the load of, of who's picking up the torch and carrying it. Well, and I think this also comes back to the song, just you, you giving us the context and positioning it as this is a song, not for those who have triumphed over something yeah. that, that are weathering something that so often we forget about that, that, um, that burden and that weight of, of just trying to survive in a system. And uh, then we go forward and say like, okay, now if you could go ahead and fix the system that's yeah. getting you down. And so um, listening to things like 
this and tuning into just how um, browbeaten people can be from oppressive systems and people, uh, we need to... We need to access the empath in ourselves to, to understand that, like, oh, maybe it's not appropriate for us to then go ask this person to yeah. fix all the things that, that we put in place that made it hard. That's right. I was going to say, like, when you were talking, it was like, oh, yeah, it minimizes the empathy deficit, right? That, like, when we're talking about changing systems, it's... um systematic, you know, and it doesn't always have that compassion piece of like, but what will it actually feel like for people to have to do this? And what has it been feeling like? Um, okay, so you've talked about this some, but um, we know that all people are in some regards like no other people. So when you think about your own distinct personality at this particular moment in your development and this particular moment in time, how or why do you think you connect with this song as you, Aaron Mize? Um, in preparing for this too, I like well, I wrote down some notes, and, and one of the things for this one I wrote was like one, just like give me as much Brandy Carl as you can possibly get, <laughs> and I'll be a very happy and very weepy camper for for enough time. Well, um, I love the thought of being a happy weepy, weepy camper. camper I mean, that, that's resonance for you, <laughs> for sure. Um, but just anything with with you know, there's so much emotional resonance that happens inside of you know, the the art that she brings forth. Um, I think I think you know. I've done a lot of work uh, in the last, you know, couple of years of just trying to figure out like what ways my identity has been shaped by um, b- being raised a specific way, or being taught a specific way, or being exposed to specific things. And so I think that um, you know where where I am is 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 um, you know wondering about like how am I perceived by people around me is, is um, what am I doing to help that perception? What am I doing to hurt that perception? What assumptions are, am I making about others? What assumptions are people making about me? And, and um, what uh, of my power am I giving to challenge those things? And what of my power am I being, you know, lazy and in what ways do I, uh, you know, am I living, um, through a, a truth that I once knew that I now believe not to be and like, and how am I, you know, going through life and challenging that, um, how many questions am I asking about who I am and, and, uh, what I want to be and who I want to be. Um, and I think that, you know, that's a space that probably a lot of people hit once they're kind of established in a career and they're in their, you know, thirties. And, um, and so I think that that's kind of the space that I'm in, but, but ultimately it's, it's kind of, you know, also trying to just reckon with, um, the opportunities I've been given knowing that a lot of them come from, um, whether I can point to it tangibly or it's intangible to the privilege that I have always had and that will continue to carry with me. Um, and how much time, effort, energy, learning am I putting towards using that in the, in, in the most effective way that benefits other people and that um, lifts people up and it's being being a supporter of people that are on my that are on my team at, at uh, communities and schools but also the people that I get to interact with on a day-to-day in my personal life and in, in my you know, intimate relationships and uh, and so I think that's kind of you know where where I am and kind of where this song took me while I was kind of prepping for for this. I like the idea of reckoning with opportunity that was a phrase that you said in there and it's like 
it really is a reckoning to figure out like what do I do with power and privilege and opportunity because surely some amount of it is things that are just like pleasing to me but then some amount of it is like maybe saving the world and figuring out the the um, percentages saving, of that is saving the world not pleasing to you Carrie? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be honest sometimes it's a drag <laughs> See previous part of this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think um, you know too with it being a reckoning, it's a perpetual reckoning. It's yes. always happening, and it's something that if we're in tune with ourselves and the world around us, that it's not a reckoning that happens, and then we move forward knowing, okay, are we going to do fun things? Or are we going to save the world? It's like every day you're having a reckoning with choices that you're making, yeah. and that can be exhausting even for those who have the most power That's right. when you're reckoning every day trying to figure out what is the space you should be moving forward in um it's tough but yeah and it's tough because it's like even if you first even if it were those were completely overlapping um circles for you like pleasure and saving the world for, for who, you know, for which of the groups that need our allyship, accompliceship, or that we're a part of, you know, so it's, it's reckoning, um, in general. And then it's reckoning with like, to be on the side of this person in this, um, office issue that's happening. I'm not on the side of this other person, or I will be perceived as not on that side, you know, so it, it's a lot it's a lot to balance. So good for you for reckoning with that opportunity. <laughs> and I think, too, you know, we're, we're looking at it from the perspective of those who hold power in the reckoning that has to happen there. But also, you know, those who have been historically oppressed are doing the same thing every day. But it's deciding, am I going to stand up for the thing that is oppressing me or that is not right for those who experience the world like I experience it? Or am I going to take care of myself today? Am I going to do a fun thing today? and mm-hmm. not worry about saving the world that is trying to kill me. You know, yeah. I think it's, we're, we're all doing it, but in different ways. Of course, yes. Thank and you. I think, you know, layering on top of all of that is like, we're in such a Western culture that values like going until the wheels fall off. That, and I know like coming from a person who's like in the middle of summer right now, it's, you know, like, it, it, and also realizing, oh, wow, summer doesn't really feel like summer once you're an adult anymore. Yeah. And it's like, okay, <laughs> reckoning with like the past, like, okay, that's been the case for the last like decade and a half now. Um, but it's like, we are in this, I think even the good work that's happening, we are in a culture that says, if you're not doing it 110% of the time, you're not doing it well. And just like, if you're not going, you know, if you're not, if you're not, if you're taking time off from your job, or if you're, if you're taking a moment to do nothing and to be lazy and take care of yourself that we are in a culture that says like you're, you're wasting an opportunity um, instead of, instead of a culture that says like you're taking an opportunity for investing in yourself, investing in somebody else, investing in something that's going to give you life in a way that um, just the day-to-day work doesn't. And, and I think that we, in, in some ways don't value the, um, like diversification of individual experience mm-hmm. when we are just pushing everyone like this is the this is your lane so I'm going to push you as hard as I can in that lane until the wheels fall off and that's then right you think you pick up the pieces well I was just going to say you know that is the you can call it the work of supremacy or the work of the devil or whatever thing you want to call it but 
what it does is that it ensures that people drop out of justice work because it's untenable. And so um, if we're not able to uh, prove and show our papers that we were a perfect ally or advocate or accomplice or whatever it was for whichever group, then we might as well have done nothing when we have that way of engaging in and and workaholism then it ensures that people drop out of the fight the collaboration whatever it is um so i'm I'm glad you brought that up me too there's a lot of shame connected to all of that work yeah and not doing it perfectly enough or feeling shame with like there's so much to do how could i even start yes it's too much Now that we've talked about the tripartite uh, model and uh, heard a little bit more about your insight into the song in that area, uh, would be curious, uh, who might you recommend this song to? Like, who would it be good for? Um, and then who might it be hard for? Um, I don't you know. I really didn't know. You know, I think, I think that, I think uh, in general, I think that anyone that's interested in listening to a storyteller that has a lot of story to tell, um, uh, in, in engaging in Brandy Carl's discography and just like also getting to know like who she is as a person and um, especially if this is something that's like maybe like folk rock's not your thing. Um, yeah. You know, I think that there is is some way to uh, engage in it, um, especially if you're if you're taking it as art and as something that is um, uh, an individual's expression of who they are and, and what they find important in the world. I think that music in general. Um, even if you're engaging in music that in, or any art that is is something you wouldn't necessarily have the taste for usually, that um, a lot can be gained by just sitting down with words somebody's written or um, the paint they've put in on you know a canvas or uh, you know whatever whatever it is. And so I think that uh, it's fun listening to somebody's music that you've listened to a lot of it or all of it that you can kind of see a story thread go through it and I think that um, that's what's fun with me about somebody like Brandy Carlisle is like understanding a lot of her dis- discography and um, having followed her for some time um, that's great but also it's like yeah maybe like folk rock isn't everybody's <laughs> and maybe that's the caution that I would give people so. I think that's a good caution and I also think it's a good point that it's like it's okay to take an art that's not your thing yeah. and that might be I mean it might be a good thing to at least do some portion of that. Yeah. I'm curious if you've read her book. I think she has a recent I book haven't. out, right? No. I'm, you're making me want to read it a lot yeah. more. And she has a new album out. I'm like, I'm like repping her right now, but she's uh, has a new album coming out soon. So Okay. Um, okay. So shameless plug for yeah, her. I was going to say, what OBC. percentage of the sales do you get for yeah. this? <laughs> Negligible. Also, I like to imagine that there's a crowd of people who hate folk rock who are listening to this podcast episode like, well, I can't imagine and I'm going to get anything out of this until he was like, maybe give it a shot. And their lives turned around. Yeah. It's like four of 16 viewers just unsubscribed. (laughs) You think four of 16 hate folk rock? Interesting. Okay. Well, we'll have to find out, I guess. We're going to find out. We are going to find out. Um, Okay. So then what criticisms or concerns might be relevant to discussing this material? So I think the context of when this was written is important. I think that, so this, uh, she, uh, her and her producer got together in 2017. And, uh, I think he kind of challenged her to do a song that could live up to the resonance that the story had, um, which was early on in her career. And, and, uh, um, I read a a story too of, of her, um, and her wife, uh, at night laying in bed and, and she's just like, I don't know if I, 
you know, uh, my, my producer wants me to do this thing. And I think her wife kind of goaded her a little bit and said that, uh, like, I don't know if you have it in you, you know? And so she she said, like, I, I started right then, started writing and, and this is kind of what it came to. And, um, uh, but it was, uh, a lot of this song is in response to a 2016 political election that didn't turn out the way that a lot of people thought it would. And um, specifically in the song, she says, uh, you get discouraged, don't you, girl? It's your brother's world for a while longer. And then she says, we, we got to dance with the devil on a river to beat the stream. Call it living the dream. Call it kicking the ladder. But um, I think specifically for her and for the song and for who she was talking to, um, it was kind of like there was this monumental thing that happened. Yeah. That didn't go the way that a lot of people thought it would. Um, and uh, if you're not interested in listening to anything that has political undertones at all, maybe this isn't for you. <laughs> okay. um, but I do think that the context of it is important and also important to know that, like, no matter which which way political winds go or anything else, it's like somebody's going to end up on one side that doesn't feel represented. Yeah. And I think for this song, it's it's in some ways representing a lot of people who have historically been underrepresented or not having power or um, had very differing power that um, uh, felt very discouraged following uh, 2016. Well, thank you so much for your time and thoughts. Uh, and listeners, we want to thank you for joining us across time and space today. So as we, as always, when we part ways, we hope today that you will take some time to look back at the places you've been, forward to where you want to be, and in the meantime, be able to honestly say, so far, so good.